You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. I Welcome to Celtic Stuff Live on the CLNS Media Network, the leading online provider of audio and video coverage for the Boston Celtics. And Justin and John here, and we're just going to say you're welcome. There was a time when we did this at the end of the show, right before the outtakes. It's been a while since we said this, but you're welcome. Twice this season, you and I have wigged out thrown the season out, and the Celtics have then gone on a winning streak. And maybe we could give a little bit of credit over to the Garden Report because that seems to have lit a fire under Marcus Smart, um, and we were the only ones complaining. But at the end of the day, Jason Tatum is finally responding. He's attacking the basket. He's got swagger again. I don't know what was going on. I don't know if the media even played into it or if somebody else kind of gave him the old kick in the butt, but he's a different person since we last had a show, John. And I think we should just stick to the script that leads to winning and continue to just complain our minds out about how awful this team is. <laughs> we're the, we're the answer, you know, it, it, is it, is it health? Is it, uh, you know, it's getting close to playoff time. Is it, uh, that, that, you know, um, you know, the media and CLNS have have upset the the, the, the team. Um, I don't know. I think it's us. You're welcome again. You know, I, <laughs> it's crazy. I know. Look, they've they have turned a corner, I believe. Um, you know, unlike the 2010 version, which was probably uh, compared, to, you know, in terms of. You know, again, we're five game, we're four games into this, whatever this turnaround or whatever this is. But uh, even in 2010, it took until they got to the playoffs to flip the switch. So I don't know. If it's it's a conscious switch flipping. I don't know if it's okay. I these guys now feel like they have the room to be able to um, play as they want to. But if you anybody who's watched the last four games, but in particular last night's game just knows this is a team that that is just you would not recognize the same team two weeks ago 
those those home games against the Pelicans and Mavericks look nothing like the same team that we're seeing. They're still making mistakes. They're still, you know, they're still they're not perfect. They're not a I don't even know that they're a contender right now. But they're a competent basketball team that tries to do the right thing a healthy portion of the time. And that's really all I'm asking for. I last night uh last night's game or or well, I guess Tuesday night's game uh against Portland I felt was really like I don't even want to say an eye-opening experience because it's they, they've played well for a bit, but it just it felt good to see just a and, and they've done it for a while, but this is like the fourth straight game where they've kind of built off of something. They've built off something, and now you know I feel like that's a good win against a playoff team, and 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 going on the road to do it. And these are games that really I think most of us entered would have probably written them off. So I'm I'm very encouraged, and I think everyone else has to be. Oh, you have to be encouraged. And Fournier hasn't been healthy. Uh, Robert Williams, they're using him more and more on those little backdoor lobs along the baseline. Like, they have to keep him involved in that offense. I realize that there's a lot of firepower, and especially when they do have Fournier, I realize he won't be in the starting lineup, but he's going to help sort of keep a number of offensive weapons on the floor at the same time, regardless of lengthy minutes. Um, the postseason is also, you know, spread out a little bit more. So, you know, I think the wear and tear that this team has gone through, I feel like um, Kemba's kind of like in his role now. It's almost like he's figured out where he belongs, and and I realize he's still not playing the second night of back-to-backs. That won't happen in the postseason, so I feel like they can generate some momentum with that, with him playing in the lineup every single game. But I think he's finally figured out how to be somewhat of a contributor and get a couple of big shots off and hit them when they count without having to have the ball in the in his hands like he's been used to through most of his career. And that's got to be a tough adjustment for any player, but there are lots of reasons to be encouraged. And I got to ask you too, um, we love seeing Robert Williams in the starting lineup. Is there any part of you that, that misses Tice or do you just kind of not even notice that he's gone, which might've been a testament to the kind of role player he was too. Yeah, I, I do miss him. I think, I think Tice was a, a really, a well, okay. I miss him in that he is a, a, a very capable, competent, solid player who any team should want to have on their roster and I think he was a great fit for what Brad Stevens is trying to do. Um, you know, it was a regrettable situation to have to lose a player who's who's valuable on a team that is lacking veteran players. Um, that's that's a tough that's a tough situation. But in terms of our roster balance scenario, um, they need you need fewer bigs and need more wings. So. You got to get up somewhere to get something, and you know, in the very brief moments we've seen Fournier out there, his his presence and what just having someone that and other another person at that position who can shoot and can do everything, it does it does lighten the burden on everybody else, um, and I think that's probably a really important aspect of this is the mental aspect of. Okay, I don't have to literally do everything. <laughs> you know, I think that I think lifting that was was big. Um, but it it didn't pay off immediate dividends. It took time apparently. 
Yeah. Um, it does take a lot of time <laughs> or it has taken a lot of time. Yeah. And there's been so many different factors. It's been hard to tease it out. And, you know, here we are being optimistic and, you know, the whole thing could tank out again. I'm just really hoping that they get themselves well established as the four seed. And, and I realize that that doesn't necessarily have a great deal of you know, home court advantage potential in the postseason other than likely the first round. Uh, but it, I do want to see them avoid the play-in scenario because they could get shocked, right? They need to sustain this. So hopefully everything that you just said is going to continue and what we've seen over the last week is going to continue. I just – I realize that they're a cut above all these middling teams in the East – but the play-in round could represent a pretty big shock. I, I think there's always like this. They have the ability to get punched in the mouth. And I'd rather the punch in the mouth happen in the first couple of games of a, a seven-game uh, you know, seven series versus a shorter play-in kind of thing. And so I, re- I know that they're going to be okay if they're the five seed and all that. But I think they really need to establish themselves as – a set, of, uh, you know, a bar above the rest in that four seed, and with and I, the upper echelon. Yeah, no, I, I, I agree with that, and I think um, the only thing I would say is I'd probably want to see where Philly is. <laughs> uh, yeah, I would probably want to get to a point where uh, second round, you know, four five, or do I want to be playing this, you know, the three seed um, as the six? Um, you know, that's, that's something that, you know, I, you know, well, you want to win the four or five, but to get to the second round and have to play Philly, um, would be the ideal, I think. Um, and then let, let, uh, Giannis have to battle with that three headed monster in Brooklyn. Um, Brooklyn and and Philly are playing right now while we're recording this. So we don't know exactly how that's going to shake out, but right now Philly's the top seed. If we go in four or five and we have to play Philly second round, I'm fine with that. Um, and then and then that sets you up to see what happens in the in the conference finals. If they can get to the conference finals, that would be an amazing outcome. I mean, really, <laughs> truly amazing outcome given all of this. Um, I, but but even saying that, you're, I think you're you know yeah play stay out of the play in. But I, I, even apart from where they are. If they're playing the way that they're playing, they're gonna they're not gonna have a problem in the play-in. They're not gonna have a problem in the first round in a four-five matchup. Um, they're gonna be they're among the top four teams in the East. You know, bottom, full stand, full stop. I mean, I don't Miami, Atlanta, Charlotte. I don't care who you got. They are among the top four teams in the East, and they'll be anybody in the lower, you know, eleven. You know, because that style of play. And that focus and that defensive intensity will carry them through that. You know, it's 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 about style of play and 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 how how connected they are to each other. And they really are, are meeting that over the last you know four or five games, especially. So I want to go back to the whole playoff seeding kind of thing. Are you completely turned around on their postseason hopes? I mean, because literally a week ago we were like, they should just let it go and get a draft pick. Yeah. Have you have you <laughs> gone complete 180 now? Because I kind of heard it when you were talking about it. You yeah. were saying, well, you know, this would be a dream. And I look, yeah. the potential is there. The talent is there. 
and Tristan Thompson seems to be playing better and, you know, contributing something very different than Robert Williams. And so uh, it, it was interesting to see Cantor again, you know, in the game last night against Portland and, you know, just kind of thinking what a great character guy he was in the locker room, despite some deficiencies on the defensive end. And then Tristan Thompson not really achieving that. But they've got a couple of different looks that they can throw. They can even with Fournier in the mix, they can even do some small lineups, you know, if they're not going to be playing like a team like Philly, that's going to outsize them. Or if they want to just, you know, motor on them a little bit to wear them down and then go over to Thompson and see if they can't bang around in the middle and wear them down a different way. But are your postseason hopes completely rejuvenated back to potential, you know, NBA finals scenario, or are you still, you know, cautiously optimistic? There's yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm very cautiously optimistic. I mean, they've look, they, they are, I mean, they have the best winning streak in the East right now. So, um, that's, that's not nothing. Um, I just, I feel like this is the team who they are, you know, and when you much like we were in 2010, you know, we were, we were riding that team too and really disgusted and disappointed and frustrated and couldn't understand why they couldn't figure it out. And, uh, they did <laughs> they flip the switch and then they go to the finals and really should have won. Uh, it, you know, in this case, it's different in that, you know, they aren't veterans, but, you know, is that what's happening? Have they, have they, have they literally flipped the switch? Is that, is it that simple to, to understand? I, I don't know. But to me, like in terms of how much I'm investing in them is really about how connected they are, how they're playing. I mean, I, I know that's like kind of like, well, yeah, duh. But I don't see how, I mean, this is the same roster as it was 10 days ago. <laughs> you know, there's really nothing different. Well, uh, it's after not. That Philly I, game. But I, they're playing but... like a completely different team than they were at that point. Yeah, and, and you're right. It's but they haven't really integrated Fournier yet either. If you look at all the games that he struggled, and then he finally does a breakout game and shows us what he's made of, and launches threes and nails them with regularity, and you're like, wait, that's the kind of scoring that maybe you won't get out of him every single night, but the potential is there that keeps everything opened up when Tatum's out there with the bench unit for his stretch or even Brown, you know, that extra shooter makes such a huge difference for spacing. But I guess what I'm getting at is that team from 10 days ago. Yes, it isn't that different, but we really haven't even seen Fournier just as he was hitting his stride. He's out. So I do think that there is another level that they're going to be able to, to go to, I, I still think it's weird the way, you know, the traded player exception is still a question mark, whether or not that was a good use of it and what they'll do with the rest of it. But, but for this season, 48 still has the ability to take them up just one more tier from what we've been seeing, especially if the team starts to get tired. Is there was there 18 games left? 17? How many are left? Yeah. Um, there, so they're, 29 and 26, so what's that? That's four. Yeah, 56 no, games, so like 16, yeah. 17. Yeah, six. Oh wait, no, 72, right? So yeah. they're yeah, yeah, so 55, 17. Yeah, yeah, 17 games left. So yeah. with 17 games, 
the schedule's been grueling. They're getting hot at the right time. If they stay hot through the final near quarter, 20% fifth of the season, if they, if they stay hot, I think they're in, you know, they're going to be riding some momentum. They're going to be healthier than they've been all year. They're going to have players that have had a trouble staying healthy and have been in health and safety protocols that hopefully won't be going back into those protocols. That's 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 another asterisk that we could talk about. But provided that everybody stays healthy, gains this momentum, and they don't lose anybody, they could be peaking at the right time. Mm-hmm. And they peaked at the right time in the bubble last year as well. If they get just even to the Eastern Conference Finals, based on what we've seen in the struggles of the team and the underachieving – I would be really, really pleased with the turnaround and then very anxious to see what happens next season after a full off season. Yeah, no, I, I think you're, I think you're right. I mean, that's the, I, I mean, my, if they're in the four or five, I would expect that they'd get to the second round. If they can put up a fight in the second round, even if they don't make it, I would be happy with that given all that has happened this year. I, I'm willing to discount for that and say, look, they were never able to reach their peak level as a team. It's kind of like, the, I mean, you look at last year, right? Like there were times they played well and Hayward played with them through the year last year, but I'd argue they were playing as a group. They played their best through that Philly and first few games of the Toronto series without Hayward. I mean, they had a good game with Hayward game one. Um, and perhaps that would have kept going and, and, and continued through. But as a unit, it was rare that really all of them were together. Um, you know, so in a situation like this where it was so difficult to find out what that group is, if they could, I, as crazy as it is to say, if they were to stay healthy over the last 17 games and build that momentum so that they are coming in on a high, the team, basically the team we've seen over the last two weeks is the team we see over the next 17 games and on. Then yeah, they. I mean, they could. They're conference final contender. I don't know that they can get through. I, you know, I still look at uh, Philly is tough. Brooklyn is tough. I don't think they'd have a, as much of a problem with. I'm not saying Milwaukee would be easy, but I, I, I'm less concerned with Milwaukee than those other two. Well, they've had success against Milwaukee. Absolutely. That's, that's one of the things that makes that encouraging as well. And they've had success in the past against Philly when they've played their game. This year, they have never played their game against Philly. You know, you nope. had Tatum out for two, the two back-to-back games or whatever, separated by a day. And then the game, you know, last week where, you know, Tatum was there, but it, they, it just – Jalen had a really bad game. Like, they just it, – it never – they were way off. And, in fact, I think if we look back, if this does continue, I think we have to look at that back-to-back where you lose the first one – and that this season has been almost like universally a sign of they lose the first one, they're losing the second one for sure because there's no Kemba. And they took that next game, that next game, and they won it. They, it was a tight one, but they pulled it out. And that's the type of thing that you know, no Fournier, uh, no no Kemba, and they win that game. Yes, it's at home, but it was a gutty win. They fought back through it. That was not the the mo of this Celtics team through much of this year. They were a team that, you know, when things were going good, they looked great. When things got tough, they they gave up. And uh, 
that wasn't the, the deal against the Knicks in the Knicks game. And since then, they've really built on the good habits it took to win that game. They had a rough start against Denver. They uh, against uh, uh, Minnesota. Again, they did not start well in that game as well. Um, so in both those games, or really all three games, they battled back. Um, the game against Portland, I think, was yeah, Portland went ahead, but it was much. It was much more of a shot maker game. You know, it was a, it was a game of it was a game of runs. You know, it was eight zero run, twelve two run, but two teams that could score the ball. So you're going to have that in those situations. You know, and they just um, Jason Tate made one more shot than. Then Carmelo slash CJ slash uh, Lillard were able to pull together. Yeah. How do you think um, – I, I, you know what? I want to back up too. I think probably the most encouraging thing that happened in all the games – because you just talked about the next game and you talked about what – you know, how that went with um, Portland last night. And one thing that's happening still – even during the winning streak has been that they're staking leads early and then digging out. But the most encouraging part of that sort of process to me was the Dallas game and the run that they went on. What was it? 31 to three. I don't know. Boy, wait, was it, was it Dallas? Did I, do I have the wrong team? Didn't they play Dallas? They did. That was before the Houston game. They lost, they lost the Houston uh, Pelicans in Houston, not back-to-back, but pretty much back-to-back at home. No, I have the wrong game. Back. Give me a second. I have the wrong game. I don't know why thinking, I'm thinking, are you thinking of Dallas. The closing, are you thinking of the closing of the the, uh, the Denver game? Yeah, Denver. I don't know why. I, yeah. Yeah. Well, All right, D. D team. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, with a big center. Just a right. Kind of yeah. Um, but yeah, no, the Denver game, that's, that was the most encouraging to me was the 31 to three run. They were down big. And then when they've been, when they've let up those, those leads, cause how many games in the, in the first quarter, early second, are they down 13 points and they're, fl- they're, it's, it's flirting with getting out of hand and, and they're never going to dig out. And then by halftime, they might you know, stake a one or two point lead or get within five. And then things they've been having good third quarters lately, um, which is usually a sign of success for this iteration of the Celtics team. But that 31 to three was sort of like, we got down, we got close, we established dominance. And now that, that move was when I was like, okay, I think they might have gotten a glimpse into what they really can be. And I don't, I just, I worry a little bit that they're going to continue to stake these leads. And I hope that they start to realize that if they just keep it close early on, that, yeah, there'll be adjustments and whatever, but maybe they can start putting these games away and not give up the lead. Because if you remember earlier in the season, it was get a big lead and blow it, and then they lost games, and I think that definitely hurt their confidence. Then all of a sudden, they're not looking great. They're staking leads to the opponents, and they're they're you know fighting back, and there's lots of grit, but they don't come away with the win. And now they're staking the leads, and they're finding a way to win. Do, do you kind of see the progression of the season at a high level that way? I do. No, that's exactly right. I mean, that's, I think you're right. That's a, that's a key piece that they have been able to kind of, um, build. I, I, I don't know. I guess build, build it in that way, build it, build to, uh, 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 
build something as a as a unit that um, they've been able to. And I think the more important thing is to then sustain that, right? Like you do it. You do it against Brooklyn and against New York. You do it against Minnesota. You do it against Denver. And and earlier in the year, it's 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 not you know you're not you're not even getting to that end step, which is the dominance part, right? You're just you're just trying to get to you're you're fighting your all your energy to get back in the game. In Denver, they not only they fought back to get in the game. But they put their their foot on the throat of the Denver Nuggets and said, "No, this is ours." And that was a killer instinct that they have not shown this season at all. So yeah, you know, I can't even think of a game. Absolutely not. So to go that extra level, you know, because, go beyond. Because every time impressive. that they've gotten the big lead, they haven't put the throat. They haven't put the foot on the throat. They've given yeah. it up. They haven't and, been able to close and, it out. Turnovers, hundred uh, percent, poor decision making, uh, you know, bad shots. I mean, all that stuff. You know, that's been kind of the way it's gone. And I, hey, that's I'm not surprised, but uh, that they haven't played well because that's been the case. But now, you know, last four games, four and zero, and taking taking shots from the other team, but then really, you know. Being willing to kind of okay, you've had your shot. Now it's my turn. Now it's you know now we're gonna push forward. And so uh, that's you're right. That's the that's the mark of a, of a mentally tough team. That's the mental toughness that this team has lacked. And that's why you know you talk we talk about like where you're gonna go. Like I don't know where they're gonna go, but the last four games show me a much more mentally tough team than what we've seen. You know, and if that's where we're headed. I like our chances, you know. That's that's the thing to me. So, know? who do you attribute it to? I mean, obviously we can look right. at I mean, we can look at Smart the, and we can look at Tatum. And we can yeah. say Smart was digging deep and there were definitely some criticisms like you even said I think two shows ago, he doesn't look right, he doesn't look on, but right. then We've been criticizing Tatum for at least a month to two months now for not being aggressive and just constantly. I mean, that's this that was the focus of the last show. He is sitting outside on the three point line waiting to do that little side step back and launch it. And he's not going to the rim enough. And then all of a sudden we see him attacking with authority. He's thrown down some tough ones. Um, he's just willing to take on more contact, but it almost looked like he was fatigued before, and now it looks like he's this dominant physical force, not just a dominant talent. And I just feel like, what flipped the switch there? And, you know, when we say, who do you give credit to, there, there's credit to go around to everybody on the team. Uh, they're, they're, you know, even at, you shared a, uh, uh, a video from coach Nick on Twitter and, you know, just basically to summarize at a really high level, it was almost like the Celtics were playing too hard. They were over committing and missing the mark. And, you know, maybe they watched coach Nick's video. I mean, I, there's a new world that we're in and Marcus smart somewhat substantiated that by saying that he watches the garden report. There's a new world now where the fan base is having very uh, high-level analysis 
and understanding of the game that might have been traditionally reserved for the high school coaches, the college coaches, the former coaches, the former players. And there was never a vehicle necessarily for them to put out their opinions or anything like that or educate the fan base that doesn't understand the game to that level, which I don't like coach Nick knows way more about basketball than I do. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And then there's a whole observation skills and translating that. And with the access to video and being able to break it down either in a GIF in an article or to do a video and explain it and draw arrows, like everything that was always reserved for ABC and ESPN to break down one or two plays to try to show you what was going on. It's a far more educated fan base. And and the fan base sometimes is a professional fan base that is contributing to the education. I got to think that these guys are listening to it. I'm not saying that it necessarily – this is kind of the point I'm really trying to get at. I'm not saying that Coach Stevens and the coaching staff or Danny hasn't had those same conversations I'm saying that there's something about that internal culture that then gets legitimized when you have run-of-the-mill blogger-type fans that are pointing out the same things that mm-hmm. maybe you were resistant to listening to. Mm-hmm. And that, I think, creates maybe a new dynamic for player awareness. That's interesting. Yeah, that's a good point. I think you're right about that. That has to be – I mean – yeah, I mean, how much do these guys have ears or not? I, you know, they'll they'll deny it to the end of the end of the day, and then you hear what Marcus says, and you hear Jalen say we gotta shut the noise out, and you hear Tatum say the same thing, we gotta shut the noise out, and then there's a whole bunch of criticism, and then there's a blow up, not a blow up. I don't look if. If Asherod Blakely or, you know, Joe Sway or Jimmy or John Zanet or any of those guys, right, any of us, I mean, hell, whatever, um, Kevin O'Connor, right, anybody wants to say negative stuff, what goes with it is they got a right to respond back, right? Like there's nothing – like I was getting at it today with my guy, Mr. Positive. Uh, <laughs> and, 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 you know, he's like, you know, I, I that, you know, that we're talking just about this stuff and like, th- he thought it was kind of out of bounds of, of, uh, Tatum's mom to kind of push back. And I, and I don't think so. I think, look, I mean, <laughs> the whole thing is, and, and though, and yes, the media guys love it. Cause if they're, ta- if you're talking about them, that's what they want. Um, Felger and Maz want that, all that. But like what's happening is that's that's like that's the show. The talk about it doesn't really matter, right? It's what are you doing about it? And that's what that's the thing that I want to give credit to. I don't care if it's the motivation or whatever, whatever it took to get Tatum there or to get Smart there. Uh, I'm not gonna. I don't want to give credit to. That. I want to give credit to the player, right? I want to give credit to Tatum because the dude that played the guy I saw in, in Portland in the second half of that game last night and yes I was in a haze for my second COVID shot so maybe <laughs> I was seeing things but like we've seen that Tatum here throughout the 53 point game I mean that dude is different right now he is different 
And there's a there's a he is not playing the same way he was two weeks ago, three weeks ago, four weeks ago. Um, I don't know. I don't know. That he's healed from COVID. He said last night, you know, he's using an inhaler. Uh, that's that's a whole nother topic in a way. But like to me, what this says is this is a dude that's like, look, I got to do this. I got to do it the right way. So let's look at last night's game. He goes out there. Kemba has like 17 or 16 or 17 in the first half. You know, Tatum, Jalen has a good game. Not many points for Tatum. He's just out there distributing, finding guys. Second half goes off. I think he had like 26 in the second half, 27 in the second half. Ended with 32, some obscene percentage, and then hits the big three to, to seal the game. That's it. Like, that's all I could ever want from Jason Tatum right there. You know, we've I've been on his case. I don't think you trade him. I don't think any of that, but I'm saying, like, he's got to be better, you know? He's got to be the leader. And to ask a 23-year-old, that's insane to lead a multi-billion, you know, almost, you know a, a, let's see, what are they, probably $2 billion business. He needs to lead that $2 billion business, but that's where we're at, Right. That guy's got to be the dude because he's the guy that gets them over the top. And if he does that, he he plays like he does this week. That just raises everybody's game. That helps Jalen. That helps you know Kemba. That helps Romeo. It helps Grant. I mean, Grant's playing good ball. This is this is what I'm talking about. This is about the guy. This is like Larry leading the Celtics. This is about like Michael leading the Bulls. This is about Kobe leading the Lakers. I mean, the guy who has that ability doing it as early as possible so that he can have the most successful career. Exactly. And and look, Larry didn't win his first year. Kobe didn't win his first year. I mean, it took guys. LeBron, it took until year nine, I think. Year nine, year year ten. No, it was year year nine. Like, it takes a while (laughs) to be a man. Right to be a man. When I was 23, I couldn't lead anything. You know, I I couldn't be that guy to lead a two billion dollar business. You know, but but it takes time to figure that out. This is the first year the keys have been in his hand. And let's look at the record of of kids who get their license. Right, it's not great. Even the most responsible of them have a hard time. Right, and that's I'm not trying to minimize Jason in saying that, but like, look, it takes a hard, it takes a long time to figure out the the. The how this all works. He's got to lead people that are older than him and who are accomplished, like Kemba Walker, and and and, and Tristan Thompson, who has a, who has a ring, you know, and Evan Fournier. Like that's not nothing. That's a hard thing to ask for a guy. Has he figured it out? I think he's pretty close. If he hasn't figured it out by now, I think he's pretty close. It's not to say there won't be ebbs and flows, but the guy we've seen over the last week. That's a guy that can lead this franchise places. And yeah, that's, and he's that's been on for. And he's been in the postseason, and they are in all likelihood going to be in the postseason again. He's been in the postseason every single year of his career. That is invaluable experience, and he's definitely 
led the team in the postseason <clears throat> dunk against LeBron. All right. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all of your sports action. Football might be over, but NBA and NHL are in full swing. Bet online even covers awards, TV shows and reality TV with real time updated odds and props on almost anything that you can imagine. Bet online has you covered for all the news scores and odds, and it's the best way to place your bets and it's free to sign up. So, head over to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts, and don't sit on the sidelines anymore. Get in on the action. Don't forget to use that promo code CLNS50 to receive a 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. Too bad we didn't place a bet on the Celtics. <laughs> making the postseason or something like a week and a half ago, John. Who would? Would you have wanted to do that? I mean, really? That's why you got to put your money down. You got to. You got to put. No. You got to put your chips down no. when the chips are down. I am scared, man. Like I, we, I'm so scared of betting. I'm afraid to have bet online on the on our ad. I don't even know what that does. I'm afraid I'm gonna lose money over it. I'm a scared better. I, I love sports, but man, I'm always afraid I'm gonna lose money. So I don't, you know, I, I can't get in it. But you know, if they give you free money. You know, if you sign up, that's pretty cool. That's pretty good. But I can't. The Celtics, that would have been a bad bet to me two weeks ago. I mean, <laughs> I know. so down on them. Because, like, what, like, what signs, before this started, what signs did we have that it was going to turn around this year? None. This we, year? Were, we were upset about everything. None. I mean, honestly, there was no, there were no encouraging signs pretty much all year long. Maybe at the very outset, we got really excited. Yeah. But other before than the that. COVID hit. Yeah, exactly. You know, no, no, not before COVID hit. Or do you mean COVID, like the safety protocols this season? I'm saying, yeah, before Tatum and Tristan Thompson, yes, out, and they had the whole center rotation was out, and things started going sideways for the team basically after that point. Yeah, no, agreed, you know? agreed. Uh, do you how much you were like think- we're rehabbing, you know, Kemba and da 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 da. Go ahead. What were you going to say? Well, I was just going to say, so, like, I'm saying I'm putting a lot of this on Tatum, okay? I think Tatum – Tatum's taken, I think, a lot of flack, and, I, as again, I think a lot of it's deserved. Um, I I don't think a lot of the – I think a lot of criticism is deserved in that this is how it – this is what it takes to be that guy. Right. But I'm not saying it's deserved that he needs to be dealt you know, no, that's I never would do the idea of stupid. trading him at 23 because he's having a rough so dumb. season. How many oh. players go through bad seasons? And I, and I don't like the idea of like, well, it's either this, either you're with him or you're against him. It's like, no, oh, that's I like the society him. that we're in, it's, bro. That's right. That's we've right. been programmed to do that. So backing out of that for a second, let's talk about the injuries. Let's talk about like what that means, because, you know, that's the other – I think that's probably the other side of it is, yes, they came out of COVID, um, and, and maybe we won't – we will never really know, but how much impact is it that they haven't had everybody? I mean, really, even till, even now, <laughs> you know, 48 still out with health and safety protocols, but there's a fair chance that he's going to be out once, once they come back home. Um, what's – I mean, how much can you put to that? Well, we talked about it. It's just you get impatient with it. We've been we've been chalking it up to all of that for quite some time. And we even talked 
I don't know if it was two or three shows ago, but how it was taking a toll on Jalen Brown because one of the earlier criticisms that we had about Tatum was that Jalen was the one who had to do and shoulder all the difficult work of going inside and taking a beating. Neither of those guys get calls and Tatum's got to stop throwing his arms up because I just don't think it's going to come around for him, but uh, he deserves some of the calls that he's wondering where they are, but Brown gets beat more because he's been going into the paint more. And it's sometimes Brown drives into triple teams. And so there's a lot of times you're just not going to get a call, even if you were fouled because the refs also appreciate the game. And when you drive into a triple team at the basket, they think that's stupid. And if they think that's stupid, then you're not going to get a call. It helps to play smart basketball to earn the respect of the officials. But still, we got into that point where I think Brown maybe had a, a hamstring or a balky knee for where, yeah, for mean. a game where they were going to like mm-hmm. take him out. And that was that – was, so, yes, I think the injuries are part of it. But one of the pissers is the people who are healthy – are not necessarily all shouldering the load of what that means for everybody on the team. And it was frustrating to hear that, you know, Brown versus Tatum narrative. And then we go into this stretch where Tatum is struggling and Brown is, you know, having these 30 plus point nights and he's going inside. And if he weren't, all they would do was be standing around beyond the three point line, jacking it. He was the only one doing anything versatile on offense. And, he literally got minimal credit for that. And so I do think it was having an impact. I think it had an impact on Brown, but that I have gained more. You know, I've always loved Jalen. I had some criticism for him (laughs) a little along the way. And then when that Tatum versus Brown thing came along, I was like, that's so annoying. And, and, you know, I've, and I've had that, you know, conversation with my son who turns 18, by the way, today. Whoa. Uh, hey, yeah, I know. That's a, big, right? that's a big deal. Going to college next year. It's pretty crazy. Wow. Pretty crazy. So wow. he and I, you know, we're at a point now, you know, he's a man. We can have <laughs> legit sports conversations and arguments. So every once in a while I get a text from him. That's why Tatum's the man. Da, 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 da. And I'm like, yeah, but what about the, 15 games where Brown just shut up and carried the team the best that he could. That's where he got this extra level of, of respect for me. And he will always be your seen son as or, the second. Your Sutter Brown. <laughs> Sorry. <Yeah. laughs> <That's great. laughs> Sorry, Riley. Sorry, man. <laughs> That's funny. Uh, Anyway, <laughs> sorry, I took you off tours. I'm no, sorry. no, yeah, you spun me out, but it, but it, that was good. Um, <laughs> I just think, yeah, I think Brown's always going to have to play second fiddle, and 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 I think he's okay with it. And the fact that he's willing to do, I just don't know how he's not getting more credit. You know who is giving him credit? Ironically, the national media. How many games did we go into on national TV? over the last month to a month and a half where Brown was a central discussion point on, they said he couldn't shoot threes and now he's hitting these wide open threes. And he's like, that's one area where I think the basketball quote unquote experts, you know, cause we'll decide whether or not we think they're an expert on any given night or another, <laughs> but the experts are recognizing what he's doing. 
I think he's getting credit, just not as much amongst the fan base. I recognition, uh, not credit, well, recognition. I think, uh, I yeah, I think that the limits placed on him uh, when he was a rookie, and, and you know, from from the opening night, and he can't shoot and he can't do this. I think they it, he did open a lot of eyes, you know, from the beginning. But I also think there is a thing that, you know, Brady Bledsoe, you know, you know, Mikhail Bird. I mean, there's there's this thing that we do. Um say, so, well, who is, you know, is it Clemens or Hurst? You know, I mean it's just it's stupid. Um I don't do it. I think it's I think, you know, Tatum is never gonna be what he needs to be without Jalen Brown. And Jalen Brown can't do some of the things that Tatum can do. Um, so I, I, it has to be, it has, the answer is both, uh, <laughs> you know, but that's not exciting. That doesn't get callers to an 88.5. So I, I think that the answer is they, the more that they can cater their games to support each other, I think the better they'll be. I think that's kind of the, the I think they're, the do one you thing you hear is the, they're tighter personally you, than we realize yeah, because they're just very private people. I think they they both not are. Yeah, they're not like like in OKC. You saw very outwardly that that Durant and Westbrook were really close, really tight, and they're always you know blah blah blah, blah you know back in the early days. And then it kind of wore off a little bit. And then of course you know we found out there was kind of resentment there about how they play, and it took several years to get there. But you know seven eight years, and then they, that was it. Um, but you I, know what I, else was interesting about that dynamic, since you're going to reference it? Kevin yeah. Durant was much more along the Brown and Tatum lines of not being vocal, and yeah. Westbrook was much more along the lines of Marcus Smart. And what's great in this scenario, and they were talking about it on the broadcast against Portland, but Smart is really the vocal leader, and he's calling it out on defense and telling everybody where they need to be. Because Brown and Tatum just aren't that vocal. That might be the key ingredient to their success. They need somebody on the team who is sort of a vocal leader, but isn't necessarily a limelight dynamic. Because that's what was good. When you have two stars like Westbrook and Durant, and they're both limelight players with opposite personalities, that can be tough. But you need somebody in the locker room and out on the court that is going to be a vocal leader. And it really brings, again, everybody's always talking about how smart has these, that has this intangible value, but that may be the most important of it in the context that you're talking about. If they went and got another, if they, you know, I'm not saying Westbrook, but like, let's say they traded for Westbrook four years ago and he was that guy on the team or they have another star, maybe that, position gets met but then maybe brown and tatum are at odds with that person and i don't know how tight they are with smart but smart's sort of status and willingness to play a role off the bench or in the starting lineup or do whatever it takes and always just put out that tireless effort i i think that it maybe you know takes some of that pressure off and it might even be a key dynamic for tatum and brown not only to to stay 
sort of in good graces with each other, mm-hmm. you know, be in the choir to leaders, but also not, you know, run into conflict with each other. But the yin to that yang or the yang to that yin is when you do need Tatum or Brown to take that extra next level above whatever smart has to offer the team. Somebody's got to figure out how to turn that on for them, or yep. they need to figure out how to turn it on themselves. That's exactly right. Like that, that was the thing to me out of, out of the last two weeks that, you know, when we left that show is like, um, I was hoping that, you know, I wanted somebody to step up. <laughs> I wanted some leadership out of that team to be like, hey, this is where we got to go. And I and I don't think it has to, I don't think it always has to be the vocal guy. You know, I don't I think that works for some things and other things I think you need to just show up with your play. And I think we've seen it happen a million times that you don't have need to be the loudest guy, but the best guy needs to set the tone. But um, showing it in your play yeah. is is at least twofold. It's playing with intelligence and yes. then playing with 48 minutes minus your well 35 minutes of intensity. Yeah, right. Yeah. Yeah. And, right. And and a lot of times the players need somebody to motivate them into that. And that's where the, that's where I'm saying the vocal doesn't have yeah. to be one of the leaders, but that's where the vocal player and the vocal player isn't always like smarts vocal out on the court. And sometimes he's vocal with his actions in, you know, hotel hallways. And but they need at least somebody who's vocal in the locker room. And they've had players like that. You know, KG is always the one that oh, we yeah. reference as being oh, yeah. the vocal guy on the floor, vocal in the locker room, vocal in the media, pretty much anywhere. He's vocal. You don't always need that extreme. But they've had other guys that have been vocal in the locker room that have been more role player types out on the floor that has really helped. And I know that's why you wanted a veteran on the club. We've been clamoring for it in these shows for quite a while. And I don't know. I don't think Evan Fournier is your vocal leader. Uh, he definitely helps fill a major need. As you said, they need one more wing. They need a shooter. So they, they kind of met some of that, but I think that's what left you feeling there. I think that's what had you feeling that there was, something left to be desired after the trade deadline, because in your mind, there were two pieces that needed to be met and you didn't get the leadership piece. And however we define what that is, you know, whether it's somebody who has to be in the locker room or it just needs to be somebody who's been there, done that and been a young player with pressure on their shoulders. Cause that, you know, Kemba's kind of that person, but he's not vocal. They might do well with an aging 34-year-old star, but not of the ilk that Al Horford was, but, you know, maybe some, I don't, I'm not going to, I don't want Carmelo Anthony, but you get what I'm saying. Somebody's already done that, has gone past their prime and appreciates the moment and the complexity of them emerging in that same role. There's really nobody on the team to provide that for them, that mentorship. Right. And it's not the coaching staff either. Because you don't have former players the way you do, like a Doc Rivers in Philly. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, I think you would hope that Kemba would grow into that, that he, you know, and he'd become. And, and I think in moments, I think okay, 
let's talk about Kemba for a second. Okay, so think, real quick to yeah. complete the thought before you take for, that to yeah. Kemba, just Sorry. I think that's what they were. I just a side note. I think that's what they were kind of hoping with Evan Turner, high draft pick. Yes, but he didn't meet the expectations. So for me, I realize he's on the coaching staff, but it's still not quite what I think they need. So to your point, you know, let's go to Kemba. Well, I I don't think we know what what Evan's doing because there no one's in locker rooms and no one's in you know. I, there may be more there than we realize, you know, at the end, but True. we'll find out once they can get in. But in terms of Kemba, you know, I think that this, if, if Tatum is going to be this guy, right. And Brown is, is able to kind of find that role, um, you know, right next to him, you know, I, I think it's, it's going to be interesting interesting to see what happens with Kemba over these next 17 games, right? Because we have not seen a consistent effort where Tatum and Brown have been leading a winning team and everything is locked in. And then you look at Kemba. Okay. So now what, what's Kemba doing like that? That's honestly like the next thing you look at in my mind is, okay, Tatum's doing well. Jalen's doing well. What's Kemba doing that isn't scoring the ball but contributing to winning? Because you can only have so many guys filling the bucket up, right? And I think he he's in fits and starts, he's done things where he's giving a little bit extra energy, he's taking charges, he's trying to be you know, trying to do what he can. I'm, I think he's still searching. I think he's still trying to feel it fill out what that is. But he is only thirty and he's making thirty five, thirty six million dollars a year. Um these next 17 games are probably going to decide whether or not he's back here next year. He's probably going to decide whether or not the Celtics need to find a way to get off of him, get off his money, bring in maybe two players to replace him at $17 million a pop and try to deepen their rotation. Or do you keep Kemba knowing that if, if you can un, un, unhook the, the shot making and from the, I need to have the ball in my hand stuff, then you probably have the most potent offense you can have, but he's in a, in a, in a secondary role, probably, you know, possibly even growing into being a six man role. Um, I think that that's, that's what I'm, if I'm assuming that what we've seen the last four games is, is the way that they're going to play and the way their focus is going to work the rest of the way. My eyes are on Kemba Walker 110% because that's where I think, the most change probably comes from that position for next year. If either way under, under either circumstance, well, they spent a lot of time getting him right. And I, and I, and I know I got a wrap here in a couple of minutes, but Mm -hmm. they spent a lot of time this season getting him right. And so I think you're a hundred percent spot on. They took care of him. They expect him to be fully rehabbed full off season, dot, 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 dot. Next year, there's optimism, if he does all the right things, you know, in the postseason. But if he's not contributing in a substantial way to several wins mm-hmm. in a postseason run or the postseason run falls flat, the thing that this team has been struggling for quite some time is when do we turn it over to the young guys? Robert Williams insertion into the starting lineup. Tatum's and Brown's continued emergence as the number two options on this club. Marcus Smart's ability to direct 
the offense and playmake and do all those dirt dog things. And, and even to another extent, not in the starting lineup, but Peyton Pritchard's emergence gives them the room and already has for Marcus Smart to be in the starting lineup and not on the bench. All those things contribute to, okay, we don't need the A players. We don't need more A players. Mm-hmm. What we need is better role players to support these A players and get them to the next level because they're already emerging into it with Kemba not playing the second night of back-to-backs, being out for a little while, all of the things that they have to learn. This is the first season we're heading into the season. You kind of knew that it was Jalen and Jason's team's Finally, once and for all, even heading into last year before they went, you know, before we shut down and went into the bubble, a lot of it was, hey, you know, Kemba replaces the Kyrie. We've got the veteran and all of that. Mm -hmm. And I'm not saying that he's not providing that. I am saying that they've been waffling between two versions of themselves for a while now. And so Mm -hmm. if it you're 100 percent right, if they if the team doesn't now is the time now is the time to make that decision. And with that kind of money to your point and some picks that you probably don't need as much at this point with all the youth, with those options at your disposal, you absolutely could bolster the the bench with some long-term solutions and, you know, maybe even re-sign a Fournier. Like he's still young. Like we can get into this, you know, 28 to 32 age range behind, you know, Marcus, Jalen and Jason that are on the heels of that by three to five years. Well, and and not to I know we got to go, but like the idea of of moving Kemba, you know, if you have two, let's see, two 17 million dollar guys, you know, whether that's, you know, you, you know, you take a trade exception and you send out Kemba and you get a trade exception back and, you know, whatever, um, maybe to send something out. But then you re-sign Fournier. Well, then you've effectively, you know, you're, you're net $17 million. So you could do that or, you know, you don't re-sign Fournier, get two seventeen million. million. Those guys at that price are guys you can trade. Like as we saw at the deadline, yeah. anyone yeah. who had that trade level and had a – You're not, you're not handcuffed. Everybody's right. movable. You, Absolutely. everybody's movable. And so then then you're back in the market. And so then you see, does Grant pop? Does Romeo pop? Does Neesmith pop? You know, you're, I mean, you're still in that position where you're still trying to figure out what do you have in these youth, you know, these young guys. Grant's played better. Romeo has had moments. Um, we really haven't seen much from Neesmith. Um, you know, Pritchard is up and he down. Had a big three, he, he had a big three. He did. The last week. Yeah. I, I, you know, look, he's young. He's yeah. he's one of those guys with such a disjointed rotation and role as a rookie. Mm-hmm. Uh, a no summer camp, like right. summer camp. <laughs> no right. summer league. You know, all of that not happening is a factor to his ability to be consistent. But he's gutsy. He plays with effort. I think. I think we should be very encouraged by Romeo's play. I I see that he's a gamer. Like he's got clutch in him mm-hmm. and and he's willing to play defense. So I think Romeo is a much better player next season. I think that's a breakout year for Romeo if the minutes are there. And then that puts like Neesmith in the right spot. He can come in a little bit deeper as he you know, maybe not as much as now, but 
Um, they can shore that up a little bit, even if they bring back Fournier, he can kind of emerge on his own. And as those players do demand more time and on the bench, as you said, we got more tradable pieces, right. um, whether it's that player themselves for something else or it's the pe- it's the folks that are ahead of them in the rotation. I don't like moving Kemba. I think this team is if Kemba can be Kemba, but with, you know, a couple degrees differently because of the fact that he's not, you know, the single guy that, you know, he was pounding the ball and all. I mean, not that he's, he's got to that, adapt you know I mean? too. I know he, what you, he, right. That's when you saying. say Kemba's got to be Kemba. That gives me the impression that you're saying Kemba has to be the old Kemba and he can't be anymore. He can't be. That's Kemba. Right. So if Kemba can be the new Kemba, that's what then I, mean. I want him to yep. stay. Exactly. Exactly. And so that's what we have to see is, is he capable of that? Is he capable of adjusting to being the type of guy who can, who can who can play differently? You know, can he can he become a guy who who um, is maybe doing a little bit more of the the defensive work, a little bit more of the um, you know coming in cold and to get you know can he be that guy? If he can, yeah, if he can be the guy that hits a couple of big shots when they're triple teaming Tatum and Brown's having an off night, I'll take it. Exactly. Uh, he's just got to exactly. be more clutch. He's got to be clutch Kemba, clutch right. with a K. All right. Well, you know what? This was a great show, John. Um, it's nice when we have a little bit of winning behind us. <laughs> you and I are light and airy, and we're having fun again. And, um, you know, I'm not falling asleep watching the Celtics anymore, you know. And, and But a lot of it has come down to the effort, uh, honestly. Totally. Like, you totally. can see a different attitude amongst the team. You can see the swagger that Tatum is walking around with out on the court. Like, this is inspiring basketball to watch i can take a few losses here and there it's just like please give me your heart i'm giving you my time and i feel like we're getting it and so you get a better quality product with celtic stuff live as well because really john and i are just a couple of fans who love to watch the game we're gonna sway uh which way the wind blows as well we're just trying not to have too many hot takes uh or give you something you're getting anywhere else So good show, John. That's going to do it for this week's show. As a reminder, you can follow Celtic Stuff Live on iTunes, Stitcher, Google. Well, you can subscribe, actually, on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, and Spotify. You can also follow us on Twitter, CSL underscore Tweet Live. John is at CSL underscore Duke. I'm at CSL underscore Justin. Just a heartfelt thank you to everybody for sticking with us. Through the ups and downs, even of the show, I feel like it's had some cantankerous moments this year, maybe even some uninspired moments myself, mirroring the effort of the team on a couple of these shows. So just appreciate everybody sticking with us, listening to the shows. I hope you're having fun. I hope we're going to have a lot more fun moving forward. And on behalf of the founder of CLNS Media, Nick Gelso, my co-host, John Duke. I'm Justin Poole, and thank you for listening to this much more fun episode of Celtic Stuff Live.